Hello, and welcome to the Teaching in the City podcast series from the Center for Teaching Excellence and Innovation, also called City, at Rush University. Teaching in the City features conversations with faculty and staff on topics related to teaching and learning at one of the nation's leading academic medical centers. My name is Dr. Angela Solik, and I'm the director of City. It has been my own personal mission to help faculty become better educators, and leading City helps me on that mission. Hi, everyone. My name is Angela Solik, and I'm the director of the Center for Teaching Excellence and Innovation at Rush University in Chicago. And for today's Teaching in the City podcast episode, we are talking to instructional designers. So we have an instructional designer with us from Rush, as well as three instructional designers from outside of Rush to talk to us about the relationship between instructional designers and faculty. So hopefully you'll learn something new about working with an instructional designer today. So I would like to open the floor to our participants uh, to introduce themselves. Peg, would you mind starting off? Of course. My name is Peg Checky. I'm an instructional designer with Rush University. I've been with Rush for almost four years and instructional design for the last 15. How about you, Cindy? I'm Cindy Cooper. I'm an instructional designer for Eastern Kentucky University. I have been with EKU for three years and I've worked in online education for about 12 years now. Steve. My name is Stephen Shisley. I'm an instructional designer at Eastern Kentucky University as well. And I've been at Eastern Kentucky University for about three years. And uh, I've been uh, an instructional designer for about five years. Okay, and Courtney? Hi, all. I'm a senior learning experience designer with Louisiana State University. And I've been in the field of instructional design for about six years. Wonderful. So we have about six questions today that we're going to ask these instructional designers. And so getting started, our first question is, and this is like the best one, I think. I wanted to start off with a really good one first because there are so many misconceptions about what instructional designers do and don't do. So what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about what IDs do or don't do? So Steven, you're gonna start us out. Yeah, I agree. I think that there are a lot of misconceptions out there about the work of instructional designers in our profession. Um, I, I think that there are several misconceptions, but the one that kind of comes to my mind right away is I think sometimes faculty confuse an ID or an instructional designer for IT. And you can kind of guess why that is. They sound kind of similar when we refer to ourselves as an ID. It is common for faculty to ask IDs to help with IT problems. You know, of course, we we provide support in whatever way we, we can, whatever way possible. However, in my experience, I think that faculty sometimes do not really understand the role of IDs in higher education. Uh, one way um, we, we can resolve this is by really taking an active role offering instructional design services on a college campus. Uh, at Eastern Kentucky University, for example, the instructional designers participate in a variety of campus events, activities, conferences, any sort of opportunity in which we can just have that conversation with faculty and really let them know about our services and, and our purpose. And, you know, even those casual conversations with faculty 
they can really help spread the word and also the benefits of working with instructional designers. That's that's awesome. I, and I, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, at Rush, we have this a similar kind of experience. And I think for some institutions, it's because like back in the day that that line was really blurred. And sometimes people with instructional designer roles did both. And so now it's like unlearning that it is sometimes I think challenging for faculty. Courtney, what about you? So we deal with that issue as well, but what came to mind when, um, when I saw this question was that what we hear at our institution is that our team of designers are trying to tell the faculty how to teach rather than um, best practices in course design. So there's very little clarity among faculty in our experience about the differences between course design and course facilitation or course teaching practices. And that's something that we've tried to combat through um, our workshops and our um, just-in-time resources. So we have um, resources that are specific to facilitating online courses. Um, we're working on resources for teaching online courses. And we also try to encourage our designers to sort of do a, a soft handover with the faculty um, to transition them from design thinking to thinking about how they're going to actually facilitate and teach their courses. That's an excellent answer. And I think that there's a little bit of fear with faculty because no one likes to be told that they're not doing something well or right. And so it that that comes into play, I think, at almost every institution. So thank you for bringing that up. All right, on to question two, and this is fun. What are your favorite activities that you do as an instructional designer? And Steve, you're gonna start us off again. Uh, I think designing and creating multimedia learning assets is one of my favorite activities. Uh, the, these learning assets, they can include a variety of things such as articulate 360 projects, handouts or, or videos. And the learning assets provide me an opportunity for creativity. I think that's one of the reasons why I love them so much. You know, I, I love seeing the face of the instructor when their course has an amazing learning asset. The instructors, you can actually see the excitement on their face. And I think they, they really feel that excitement and they want to share that excitement with their students. I have discovered that the instructors and students really like interactive learning assets. And these creative learning assets, they seem to provide variety to a course, and they seem to help the students more deeply engage course materials. And I think that it also kind of helps those students uh, participate in active learning. And in the process, the instructors really feel, uh, come to a, a better knowledge of the, of the impact that uh, really creative and interactive learning assets can have on their students. Stephen, I actually would bet that faculty listening to this podcast may not even know that instructional designers can do this, <clears throat> but they can, they can. And it just depends on where you are, what kind of technology tools instructional designers have available to them. So if you are outside of Rush University and listening to this, you need to seek the, you know, the advice of, the, of your teaching center or whatever area where um, the instructional designers work and ask them what they have. So Articulate 360 is, is one of them. 
we have H5P, which creates really cool stuff. And so as faculty, all you have to do is ask and you can make some pretty neat things for your courses. Uh, Cindy, what about you? I am one of my favorite things is uh, working with faculty to transition face-to-face -face learning activities to online activities um, because so many uh, people, you know, we we all get familiar with a certain way of doing things, right? So, um, and that's what we like to do again and again if it works. Um, well, face-to-face -face doesn't always transition really well to online and um so that making that transition and help fa helping faculty see the possibilities is really rewarding. It can range anything from learning assets, like Stephen mentioned, um, to something as simple as rewriting instructions and the technical setup. But the reason I, I enjoy this in particular is the creativity, problem solving, and critical thinking that it takes. And when, um, when I am working with a faculty member who has either never taught online or never worked with an instructional designer, I get to see that little light bulb come on about new ways of presenting their materials. Mm -hmm. And very often they take these ideas into their face-to-face -face courses, which improves learning outcomes across the board, you know, and um, that's, that's probably my favorite thing. That's a win-win, absolutely. Now, Peg, you had something to add to this question? Yeah, well, along the same lines um, as the previous speakers, I really, my very favorite thing is connecting with faculty and helping to ease their concerns about technology and how it can help them, how it can't help them, but also um, just making their lives easier, right? The whole thing about instructional design is that we can help make faculty lives easier. And I think once they tumble to that and realize that we're not a threat, but actually a support, um, it, it's really fun to see that realization happen in real time. And you know, part of my job as a director, I hear things from faculty and I can't tell you how much it tickles me to hear when faculty just get it. And I don't, I mean, get it very broadly because like they could just do something different with their instructional designer and they get so excited. Yeah. And yeah. the glow on their face and the words that they use, if, if it's just an email, it is literally the best part of what I do. And I think as designers, you might agree too, that that just makes you feel so fulfilled as a designer that somebody's really enjoying, you know, what they, what you did with them. Angela, yeah. since we're talking a little bit about technology here, I'm curious to know how many of you use authoring software such as Articulate to develop some of those learning assets. We do at Eastern EKU. Kentucky University, we, we do have access to um, Articulate 360, and um, we do develop uh, assets using it. And it's it's been kind of a, a wonderful experience because, you know, we don't only get to be creative when we use a, a software package like that, but it also shows us the, the you know, the impact that, that creating these learning assets really have on the students and, and the instructors. Cindy, did you want to add to that? Oh, no, I was just saying exactly what Stephen said. We we do <laughs> use the authoring software at Eastern Kentucky. Peg, yeah. would you like to add what we do at Rush? Yeah, we use, we use um, as Angela mentioned earlier, we use H5P. We also have Articulate. Um, we try to use tools that are native to the uh, to the LMS, which in our case is Canvas, as well, just so that people 
so that the faculty can also do those things, right? Because we want them to be able to drive their own bus as much as they can. Um, but then if they want to do something extra, then we would use uh, um, either Articulate or H5P. Yeah, we also have the ability to help them make videos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a variety of, of different tools to, to make the videos like Canvas Studio and Screencast-O-Matic. Uh, and then we have Panopto as well. So there's a bunch of tools that we yeah. have. Um, that can help um, designers help faculty. Right. We even have our own little sound booth in our in our office suite, which faculty love because they can come and hide away and have a really private space that's sound sound dampened. It's not quite soundproof, but it's sound dampened, so that they don't get the ambient um, noises of the city behind them. So yeah. that's that's been a big hit too. Yeah. All right. So on to question three. So if a faculty member is listening right now and they're like, maybe I'm sold, I want to work with an instructional designer for the first time, what is something relatively easy and maybe non-threatening that they can ask to get assistance with? Courtney, would you like to start? Yeah, so we offer a number of different ways that faculty can um, work with a learning experience designer. And so we might have, for instance, we might have a faculty member who um, we consult with on sort of a random um, opportunity. They might just contact us and we consult with them, you know, for 45 minutes um, one day. And so in a situation such as that, um, to me, the most important or the most non-threatening, relatively easy thing um, that I would want to discuss with that faculty member is writing measurable course outcomes and learning objectives. To me, um, you know, the, the alignment of a course is a really easy way to have a significant impact on the quality of a course. And usually it doesn't take, um, although it takes, it can take a significant amount of effort on the part of the faculty member, it usually doesn't take much time for the faculty to grasp the concept and um, then apply it to their individual course. That's a really good point, Courtney, that you brought up. And faculty members, I have to tell them often, learning how to write measurable course outcomes or objectives is not something most people know how to do. Even if you've been teaching for 20 years, most people have never been taught how. So it's it's a skill that has to be learned and practiced. And, and so they don't, I don't want them to feel bad or faculty to feel bad if they don't really know how to write them. And so that's a really awesome point that you brought up here. Cindy, how about you? Well, I'd like to begin with a conversation about their vision for the course and um, types of support I can provide as an instructional designer and then reinforce the fact that the course is still theirs. That is an ID. I'm only here to offer ideas and support. Um, that is one of the, going back to the misconceptions we covered earlier, you know, a, a lot of faculty um, fear giving up control of their course, understandably, you know, they've poured their heart and soul into creating their materials, and they don't want to just hand them over to someone. So I think reassuring them of that, and then as far as the something easy to start with, I would echo what Courtney said about writing measurable course outcomes. That really does, um, as she said, impact the quality of the course. Once those are in place, you can move on to how we will achieve those outcomes. Thank you, Cindy. Peg, you have something to add? 
Always. Um, I, I definitely, I echoing Cindy and Courtney, um, I definitely feel like learning about that faculty member is, is the absolutely critical first step. Um, I want to know where they are on the spectrum. And sometimes it's as easy as somebody saying to me, I hate technology and I don't appreciate that you called me. Um, and, and I have to start on the really basic framework of, okay, well, you know, maybe we can get past that. Other times people are just throwing themselves at my feet because they're so happy that somebody, anybody is there to support them. And so I want to find out where on that spectrum they are. Because I, I have a tendency to be a little overwhelming because I'm excited to, to do this. And so I have to back off sometimes. And then I also want to make sure that I'm not starting them off um, with too many of the basics, but I'm not skipping over those basics as well. Yeah, as a faculty member, I'm just going to add a little two cents to this. It's really important to communicate with your designer and let them know where you are and how you feel about things. And that way that designer who's trained, I mean, designers know how to take what it is that you want to do yeah. and make it happen, but you just need to be willing to, I guess, express yourself, express your fears, your apprehensions, and hopefully even your excitements, like Peg said. You know, okay. uh, I was, I was, just, I was just thinking about how um, before I became an instructional designer, I was a, I was a professor, I was a faculty member, and um, I, I often thought, you know, as I was teaching and, and, and designing these courses, I often thought, will the students remember what I'm going to teach them 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Will it be a memorable experience for them? Will they remember me as an instructor and, and, and because of the, the, the positivity in the room? And, you know, as I, as I think back to those formative years in, in my experience in higher education, I realized that this is one of the strengths of instructional designers is the faculty can come to us, in, as Cindy was talking about, and, and they can explain their vision. This is what I want. This is, this is what I hope to achieve. And we can really help them reflect on that vision and how to achieve it. So that 10 years, 15 years from now, that course and their instruction will, will be a, a very memorable experience. I love that, Stephen. And you're actually up first for our next question. So you'll get to talk again in just a second. So what is something that an instructional designer can do that most faculty members don't know about or are surprised to learn that you can do? Go ahead, Steve. I think instructional designers offer faculty uh, online learning pedagogy and, and just experience and knowledge when it comes to online learning. Uh, an online course should not just simply mimic a face-to-face -face course. And an instructional designer can help a faculty member finely tune their assessments, activities, their course materials, and other critical course components for online delivery. Um, instructional designers are experts in online learning, design, and, and delivery, especially when it comes to using a learning management system. And for many faculty, I think especially during um, the pandemic, you know, online learning was a new experience for them. And uh, instructional designers offered these faculty uh, experience, knowledge, and also support to, to try something new. I, I think instructional designers really proved their value during the pandemic. And I think they continue to do so as institutions of higher education um, seek to offer a higher quality education to students. Definitely, absolutely. Peg, how about you? I think that one of the things that they're surprised by is our ability 
um, especially the case at Rush, we, you know, they're dealing with really technical, high-end, high-level medical terminology and whatnot. And, and it's really fun when I can jump in and find some analogy that works or, you know, use some different language, keeping their, keeping their information intact, obviously. Um, but it's, I think they're surprised by our, our ability to just see their material from an outside perspective and offer something fun or creative on how they're delivering it. Um, most of our, most faculty, most people in teaching generally are, um, they're, they're attached to their content as it is first and foremost. And then they're also very attached to teaching as they were taught, right? I mean, I, that's how I started teaching. When I first started teaching, I did what my teachers did. And then I learned that there were other better ways. And that was a light bulb moment for me. So I, I just think that they, they have fun learning that part of it. For sure, definitely. To piggyback off of what you said, Peggy, I think um, faculty are surprised often that we can do what we do, even though we aren't subject matter experts yeah. in their field. Exactly. Um, so even though you know we don't know the the medical terminology or the field, you know we can still write course outcomes or we can still break down complex concepts or That's you know create an assessment that aligns to a learning objective. So, um, you know, I think it's important to make that distinction between the subject matter expert and the, the designer and um, how both have their own speciality, I guess, or, you know, their own skills that they bring to the table. That's exactly I have an right. example. I have an example of this. You guys just reminded me of it. This was a couple of days ago. I was in a curriculum committee meeting at Rush, and I think it was a curriculum committee meeting. I don't remember what meeting it was, to be honest. But what I do remember is someone talking about, oh, I know, we're we are re-reviewing our online course standards. And so we're making a revision. And um, one person in the committee was talking about how it's almost impossible to come up with things for students to talk about in a very dry course, such as finance or anatomy. And I said, I dare you to see an instructional designer because I said, even though they do not know about medical finance, okay, or anatomy, they'll be able to give you ideas about how to get students talking about that subject in a way that you never thought before. So I put that challenge out there because you are all right. And I think that that is so surprising to faculty that you have the skills to be able to do that. And it's just, it's, I think one of the awesomest parts of being an instructional designer. All right, question number five, what is the biggest benefit that a faculty member can get if they decide they do want to work in instruct with an instructional designer. Cindy, you are up first. Okay, I think um, one of the biggest benefits is insight into creative solutions for learning activities. Um, a lot of times, um, you know, when I present ideas to faculty, these are their solutions that they may not have even considered or known were possible. And the support needed to turn those ideas into reality is another big aspect. Um, but one that 
my faculty get really excited about um, is lightening the workload. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, there are relatively small things that IDs can implement in a course that help faculty manage their workload during the course development process, as well as after the pro that process is over and the course is actually being taught. Um, some of the things that, you know, I, I make sure uh, each course has is grade center organization, how-to guides for students. If students are running have to use a new software. Um, as an ID, I create a tutorial for students so faculty aren't tied up answering questions about using that new software and they can spend their time teaching their course material rather than fielding the same questions for students over and over. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Cindy. How about you, Peg? Well, echoing Cindy, it's all about sharing a load. And once they realize that we're there to help them and I mean, I'll help, I'll help faculty do, you know, even really mundane stuff just to get it off their plate so they can focus on something more exciting, more interesting, more valuable to the students. And so um, once they realize that, you know, we have, that we can offer them all kinds of help, um, they're usually really happy to work with us. It's, and, you know, entering exam questions definitely isn't my favorite thing to do. Um, but I'm always happy to do it if somebody needs it. Um, you know, same thing with editing videos or, you know, uploading documents for them. I, I'm happy to do that stuff because it, like I say, it makes their jobs easier and they have so much on their plates that I'm always grateful to take something from them and help them. And they're grateful too. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, yes, they are. Very grateful. Uh, Courtney, do you have something to add to this one? Yeah, so I think that faculty ultimately benefit from working with an instructional designer because by doing so, we can generally provide a better student experience mm -hmm. for our students. Faculty generally design courses from their perspective, the faculty perspective, but as instructional designers, we're uh, trained to develop courses, you know, from, from a different perspective perspective, as someone mentioned earlier, from the student perspective. And we're generally trained in human-centered design practices. We can help bring that different perspective to the course design that faculty may not usually consider. Um, things like considering the scalability of assignments or the workload um, of the assignments and how they impact both the student and the faculty generally makes for all-around better experience for both the faculty and the students. Wonderful. Can well, I just jump I, in there yeah, really right quick? I, I had I had a faculty member come back at me um, just this just this week and say, you know, I just have to tell you that since we've moved into Canvas and I've redesigned my course, I'm getting much better engagement from the students and I'm getting um, much better results in student assessments and whatnot. She was really thrilled that the, that the students were getting a better experience and it just made her whole, it made her teaching experience better because, you know, when the students are happy, you get better reviews. When the, you get better reviews, you're happy. So, you know, it all, it all plays into it. Fantastic. Well, I would like to thank all of you for joining me today and talking about instructional design. I hope that faculty members listening to this podcast if you stuck around this long, that you are willing and excited to contact your local friendly instructional designer wherever you are located and maybe start that relationship and see what can happen. 
usually what happens in our neck of the woods is once you get that relationship started, it's, it's nurtured and it stays. And it's a wonderful thing to have somebody in your corner when you're teaching. So thank you, Courtney and Peg and Cindy and Stephen. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was a great conversation. And Yes, thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Angela. Thank you for joining us for Teaching in the City. This podcast is produced by the Center for Teaching Excellence and Innovation at Rush University. To learn more about City and to find additional resources and events on teaching and learning at Rush, search for CTEI Rush in your web browser or find us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts.